0: In the parasha, we have a discussion on neder and shvuah. The Gemara says the Dimujan and neder and shvuah both are a vow, a pledge to do something or not to do something. But the Dimujan and neder and shvuah <coughs> is regarding a negative statement. When you make a neder, the articulation of the vow is centers around the object that you articulated by saying that this object should be imbued with a prohibition. Mm -hmm. There should be something negative about it that doesn't allow me to eat it. I'm imposing a prohibition on the object. Let's say somebody wants to make a vow that he will not eat a loaf of bread, a certain piece of bread, then he says this loaf of bread should be off limits to me. I'm imposing a prohibition on that loaf of bread. That's a nether. It says the Gemara calls it a The object itself has been targeted by the person to impose a negative uh, status on that object, preventing him from eating it or benefiting from it. Shavua is uh, articulated by uh, centering around an action where the person makes a vow that he will not eat a lo- the loaf of bread. So rather than focusing on the, on the object, he's focusing on himself. It's called in the Gemara, isso You're imposing a prohibition on yourself, on an action that you will not engage in a certain act. You won't eat that loaf of bread. Now it seems a semantic difference, but the truth is the Gemara uh, shows differences in halacha. There are consequences to, these, to this distinction. It's not only a, an issue of semantics. Now Rashi in the Pasha says something very unusual. And the Ramban takes note of it. He says he doesn't understand Rashi. Rashi says, what is a nether? He says, I make a nether that I will not eat something. Rashi (coughs) defines a nether, what the Gemara calls a shvua. Rashi says, he makes a nether he will not eat. As if a nether means that you are targeting the action. Not to eat the Gemara says opposite so the Ramban uh, indeed asks and um, doesn't offer an answer but uh, there's a story a story with the Holy visioner, that may also offer some um, meaning an explanation to what Rashi is saying so the story is told in a book by a chassid, an, elder, an elderly chassid a Chabad chassid his name is Marinovsky. He passed away a few years ago. He wrote a beautiful book of his memoirs and his life story and the people that he met. He came from a city called Kremenchug. His grandfather was not a Chabad Chasid, He was a Chasid of the Chernobyl uh, Rebbes and dynasty. But he was a, a very famous Rav, big Talmud Chachem, and a very passionate chassid of his Rebbes, of his Rebbe. And Marinovsky grew up in that household. He didn't grow up Chabad. Later on he became Chabad, moved to Kfar Chabad and became the male there. So this, Marinovsky says in the book that he heard this from his grandfather, the following story. And his grandfather said, I heard it from the person himself who visited the, uh, Rabbi Yisrael of Ruzhin, what the Tzema called the Holy Ruzhinar. The name of the person he heard it from, his name was Rabbi Yeshua Charif. Rabbi Yeshua, the um, prodigy. Charif means somebody with a sharp intellect. It's usually a title given to somebody with exceptional um, intelligence, especially with the ability to navigate through highly nuanced uh, parts of the Talmud and complex issues of Jewish law. It's called a Charif. I'm sure told this story to this Marinovsky's grandfather, and he said that I was a young man studying in yeshiva. I was not a chassid. I didn't grow up a chassid. My family was not chassidim. In fact, I was related to Rabbi Kiva Eger, the famous Rabbi Kiva Eger, and I even studied in his yeshiva. So once I was sitting in yeshiva and learning al-Zabokhar, a wealthy man came to the yeshiva and approached the Rosh Yeshiva and asked him, please suggest to me the most... Uh, intelligent bacha with the most knowledge and the most learned most scholarly bacha because i have a wonderful daughter and also god bless me with a lot of means and resources and i can support the couple forever he can sit and learn the rest of his life and i'd like to, you to, to suggest to me the most the best bacha in the yeshiva and the yeshiva pointed to me this is yeshua i think you should talk to him My father-in-law approached me, and we discussed it. Well, And he became my father-in-law. I married his daughter, and I moved to his town, to my father-in-law's city. And he supported us. He definitely made good on his promise. One day, my father-in-law announced to me that he's actually traveling to his Rebbe, the Holy Rizhiler. And he asked me if I want to join him. I uh, politely declined and said that I am not a chassid. I'm not into... Uh, traveling to Rebus. I'm more concerned about not wasting a minute of my time, but just to study Torah day and night. And therefore, I, um, I, I declined. My father-in-law didn't take no for an answer. He kept pressuring me and asking me, please, maybe you come once. Finally, I relented and I said to him, listen, I'll go once with one condition that you promise me you're never going to bother me again. I'll go once in deference to you. But don't, please don't, don't. So the father-in-law agreed. In his mind, the father-in-law was thinking that he'll come once, he'd be so impressed with the Holy regioner that he'll become his chassid. The Rishua Ha'arif said, what I was thinking, no, if I'm already going to the Holy regioner, I'd like to test him. I'm going to test him on two levels. I have a burning question in the Gemara, in Halacha, something... Uh, Question has been bothering me for a long time. When I walk into his room, I'm not going to tell him my question. I'm going to see if he knows the question I'm thinking about. Then I'll know he has ruach HaKedosh. And if he gives me a good answer, a satisfactory answer to my question, I'll know he's also a great uh, scholar. Okay, so they traveled to Rishon, and they entered the room where the Rishon was sitting, uh, welcoming all the guests and it was packed with people the whole room was packed with people people were centering around the regina who was sitting by his desk people were waiting for him to share some words of tera um, <coughs> in in the middle while people are waiting a man by the name of Leib, uh from bar was a famous chassid chassid that was revered and respected by all the Hasidim and the Rizhina himself also very much respected this Hasid and when he walked in, this elderly Hasid walked in, everybody made room for him letting him go to the front and the Rizhina asked him to sit down and they offered lachaim to, to on the table and and now people were really waiting to hear from the Rizhina because if the is here, the Rizhina will surely share some words of wisdom, and Torah with this great important guest. So, the Rishonah turns to the blame and says to him, he says, it says to him the following. They say about us, us means himself, the royal us, the great tzaddikim, and they used to often speak about themselves in the plural. They say about us that we don't know how to learn. No, my. Um, Great grandfather, the Maggid of Mezraj, was known as a famous scholar, as a Goen. No, but there was once a Miznagid that wanted to test my grandfather, wanted to see whether he's a Balguk HaKaydesh and whether he knows how to learn. So he prepared a question in his mind. And he thought that he would come to my great grandfather going to his room and see if my great-grandfather knows the question he's thinking about and and secondly, whether he'll be able to give him a good answer. And what was the question this misnaget, this non-chasset came prepared with to my great-grandfather was a question about the Gemara says that a neder is focused on the object. We articulated neder is supposed to say the object is off limits. When you say a then you target the action, the person, and the action of the person. Uh, you will not. I make a vow. Will not engage in this action. In the Zohar, it says just the opposite. Neder is focused on something which is intangible, like uh, an action. And the Shavuot is focused on, the, on, on, on something tangible, on an object. Just the reverse of what the Gemara says. And um, when he walked into my great grandfather, my great grandfather right away said, No, this young man has this question. And of course, this young man saw the Ruach HaKodesh of the, my great grandfather. And then my great grandfather gave him an answer. Now what my grandfather answered is not so relevant to us, but I'll give my answer to that question. Now, when he heard this, he started shaking. Because this was exactly the question that he himself had prepared when he, before he came to the regioner, and prov- hoping to test the regioner, both whether he knows his question and whether he'll give him an answer. And the Rizhener was doing exactly that. So the Rishonah says, and the answer is like this. There's a Gemara in Baba Metzian, That there was a question in the heavens about a certain halacha. Related to tzorahs, to leprosy. And, uh, leprosy involves a white spot on the skin and two white here in the middle of the spot. The halacha is, first has to be the, in order for a, a metzorah to be tomei, first you have to develop the discoloration of the skin to turn white. And then the two hairs must emerge in the spot on the skin where, the, where, where it became white. What if it's the reverse? First the white hair appeared. Before there was a white uh, discoloration of the skin, and, and then the skin discolored, then it's not tamay. What if we don't know? That's where the machleki is. Mesifte de the heavenly, the celestial yeshiva. Said that it's tommy, if we don't know then we have to be uh, on the safe side to make it tommy and HaKadosh Baruch who Hashem disagreed and said toher then the the, the thai heavens decided will will have Rabbi Bar the great sage who is still alive here on earth that he should be the one to uh, resolve this dispute and Rabbi Nachmeni said toher like Hashem says. says the Rijener that this is really the difference between the Zohar and the Gemara. The Gemara is the voice of the heavenly yeshiva. The neshames in Gan Eden that studied Torah, the Gainim, the Tzaddikim, that studied her, and that's how they saw things. Um, and from the perspective of the heavenly yeshiva, a nether is focused on the object and a shvu is focused on the person from the perspective of Hashem which is the voice of the Zoyar Zoyar is Hashem's voice there's the opposite a shvu is focused on the object and a is focused on the action on the person and then the Rizhina turned to this young man he says to Rabbi sure no, now you'll be a chassid already and that's how he became a Chassid. And that's what he told the grandfather of this Chassid Marinovsky, who wrote it in his book.